you're listening to the Sunday Show Tunes podcast. I'm Paul. And I'm Robbie. Coming up on today's episode, we're chatting with the writers of the musical Come From Away, Irene Sankoff and David Hine. We're also chatting with Ellery Ward about her new album, A Perfect Little Death, and West End star Rosemary Ash is talking about the London revival of Call Me Madam. Irving Berlin, Howard Lindsay, and Russell Krauss's classic 1950 Tony Award-winning musical Call Me Madam about love diplomacy has returned to London, headlined by West End musical star Rosemary Ash. And we are thrilled that Rosemary is back on Sunday Show Tunes with us now. Hi, Rosemary, how are you? Hi, I'm very well, Paul. Lovely to see you. Very we well. are thrilled to have you here. So um, congratulations on the reviews. How are you? And tell us a little bit about Call Me Madam. Um, well, it was written for Ethel Merman um, in 1950, um, and it was based on the, the idea came from this uh, Washington socialite called Pearl Mester, who became, I think, an ambassador to Luxembourg, US mm. ambassador to Luxembourg. So the writers and Irving Berlin decided to make it a fictional town of Lichtenberg. But it was really a vehicle, <laughs> vehicle for Ethel. Um, and as you know, I'm, I'm a mad fan of Ethel, mm -hmm. and did a show about her and everything. So, it's not a show that comes up very often, and it was pure serendipity, really, because I was supposed to be doing the tour of my best friend's wedding, yep. which got cancelled. Uh, and then two days later, I got a call from Richard Evans, the casting director for Call Me Madam, saying, Rosie, would you like to do this? I always wanted you, but then you weren't free, and now you are. And I said, oh, my goodness, yes, because it's it's just such a great part. I mean, it's a huge part. I didn't really quite realise how big a part it is. <laughs> but it was written for the merm, you know. Um, so, I, so I jumped at it. Uh, a massive learn, but very satisfying to do, I must say. What's it like doing this show in the UK because it's such an American sort of piece about American politics. <laughs> I don't think it's dated much, actually. That's the funny thing. I mean, some people think it has, but I don't think it has because it's all about, um, um, no offence, but it's all about um, Americans trying to uh, use money to buy off everything. You know? Yeah, that's and, us. Uh, and, they, and there's a line <laughs> in the show, she says, you know, um, uh, we've been trusting the people in America for 150 years, you know, but sometimes they scare the hell out of you. Um, but uh, it's all about this thing she thinks money can, can solve everything, and I don't know that that's changed that much. It's, 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 a, it's a funny old script. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's simple and yet it's not to follow it, because like um, Cosmo, the, the foreign minister of Lichtenberg, played by the lovely Richard Gibson, one minute he's foreign minister, and the Prime Minister has resigned, and I say to him, why don't you become Prime Minister? He says, no. And the next scene, he is Prime Minister. And there's no, you don't actually find out why or how that happened. You've That's got musical theatre for you, though. I know, mm -hmm. I know, you know, but it doesn't really matter. Because you know what, the music's so fantastic, the tunes are so great, it's fun. The audiences are loving it because I think it's what they need at the moment, something with mm -hmm. lovely music and something that's uplifting and upbeat and fun and entertaining, you know? And it's great because I, I was looking, it's not been in the West End, it's not been in London for about 50 years, has it? I don't think it's had any professional revivals really at all, has it? I think they did it at, did they not do it at the VP in the 80s with Noel Gordon? I know there was a... I oh, it, yeah. I, I did see it on But that was still quite a long time ago, the 80s. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How dare Actually, you? and, and <laughs> the other, it was originally done in 1952 at the London Coliseum, and the other night on our first performance, this gentleman came up to me afterwards. He said, I think his name, I think this is right, his name is Tony Alexander. He said, I was a dancer in the show in 1952 when Billy Worth played the part. I said, my goodness. So that makes him, I don't know how old. 
Um, <laughs> so that's when it was done properly, I think, in 52. I think there was the Noel Gordon one. I don't know how long it ran at the VP, but I saw it on, in Birmingham on tour in mm. the 80s. Apart from that, they've been actually they did it at the Gate House about nine years ago uh, with my friend Beverly Klein did it, and I think they've done it at the Union as well. Um, but it's just not done very often, no. at all. Yeah, it barely comes up over here anymore either. Uh, they, did, they did it. They did it on course, didn't they, with Carmen? Yeah, yes. twice. They did it with Carmen Cusack and. Like 20 years before that, they did it with Tyne Daly and Melissa Errico. But, uh, and like Paper Mill did it with Leslie Algums. I wish I had seen that. Mm. Uh, but it's just not one of those, it's not like the, you know, the sort no, of A it, list. It's but it's not. such a delightful show. And there's some gorgeous music in it. Mm-hmm. There's just some gorgeous music. Some great tracks. Fun. And it's and it's short, you know, particularly the second act, only about thirty-five minutes. I mean, the whole plot is the whole plot is wrapped up so fast, mm-hmm. you know. But it does matter. It's musical theatre, hey. Absolutely. You know. Now, Call Me Madam was one of only two roles that Ethel Merman returned to in her career for a revival. If you could return to a role again, what one would it be? Probably witches, I suppose. I mean, I've done it twice. It's just got everything in it, really. Yeah, um, and we're I mean, well well overdue a London revival of The Witches. Well, we are, with. but, you know, they might consider me too old to do it now. I don't know. Oh, never. <laughs> never. Um, no. I suppose of all the parts, yeah. I mean, I'm often asked, which is your favourite part? It's really difficult, you know, mm. because I've been very fortunate. I mean, I love playing Carlotta, but I don't have, you know, that was years ago when I was younger and had a, and I, d- I couldn't sing that now you know, in the same mm. way. Well, created the role of Carlotta. Exactly, so yeah. no point. The other role I wouldn't mind doing again, which I loved doing, and is also due for a revival, is Bittersweet by Noel Coward. Mm. Because that's a beautiful, beautiful show. And I was fortunate to play Manon in that, and that is just gorgeous. That's another one that stands out. But witches, yeah. I mean, there's a, a huge fondness for witches. It's just a shame it never made it to Broadway. Um, mm-hmm. And they tried. Just I know, I know. Never, mm-hmm. yeah. It's one of those mysteries, isn't it? You talk to people and look about witches of Eastwick, and they kind of missed over with that thing. And I, I said to Robbie I that I'd seen it about eight times in the West End. I saw it at both its homes. I saw it at Drury Lane um, and the Prince of Wales as well. And um, I could have sat through it again and again and again. Just a wonderful show. People so loved it, and it's done a lot. I think the amateurs do it mm. quite a lot. I think. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, it's just, and I think they've done it regionally in the states. Yeah, um, yeah. Like Emily Skinner did it at, at, in Washington D.C. at one point, but like, and there were readings of it for probably. It just never ha- happened for some reason. But man, do I love that Gas album oh, so much! So thank you. So thank good, you. Rosemary. We're out of time. Thank you oh. so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me again. And if you get the chance, come and see it. If you can oh. face the face the hill and the bus. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to make the hill and the bus an effort. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it because I absolutely want to see see the show and see you well, again. It'll we, be lovely. We've got, we've got a great cast. There's only nine of us. We've got a fantastic band of five with a wonderful with a wonderful young MD who's done all the arrangements. They're beautiful. And just quickly, we have two ocarinas. The musicians have learnt to play the ocarina, especially for the show. That's so, worth the bus ride alone. Exactly. <laughs> right <Exactly>. there. <laughs> All right. Lovely to meet you, Bobby. Thanks, Rosie. Okay, bye stay bye. safe. Bye. Call Me Madam is upstairs at the Gatehouse in London until the 10th of October. For more tickets and information, head over to upstairsatthegatehouse.com. <laughs> 
starting from a spontaneous Instagram post back in 2019 covering everyday little death, Ellery Ward has crafted her own niche at the crossroads of musical theater and indie folk music from her original point of view, embodied by acoustic simplicity and swirling harmonies. We are thrilled that Ellery has joined us this afternoon. Hi, honey. How are you? Hello. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, are you as happy that you're here as Robbie is that you're here? That's the question. (laughs) No, I don't know. I think my my joy rivals. <laughs> Couldn't be happier. Could not so, be. So tell us about that Instagram post back in 2019. When did you get the idea from? Well, it's uh, it sounds pretty dumb when when I say it. Um, but I was in the middle of audition season in New York, um, just grinding it out every day, um, and it which is a it's hard in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. You're going to multiple auditions and like going to work at the same time. And I, I just was like being sarcastic and joking to people when they would ask me how I was, I would just say, Oh, you know, every day, a little death. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And after like that being my little witty response, uh, I, it just, naturally was stuck in my head uh, during that time Mm -hmm. period and for me uh when something is stuck in my head I either listen to it obsessively or I play it and I cover it Mm -hmm. uh and so I I chose to do the latter and um I don't even know what how it it came to me I just I I don't really know how any of my arrangements come to me but I just picked up the guitar and started singing it and I was like, all right, I'm just going to post this video. Um, and my friends really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And one of my friends, Harper, she was like, please make this a series. Uh, so I was like, okay, I will. (laughs) (laughs) And that's really how it started. It was, it was not planned in the least. It was not even, I don't know. It just happened. (laughs) It's so it's wild. But this perfect little experiment has really become like a thing. Like I, who work for a rival uh, record label, um, like you were not in my orbit until suddenly you were. And that album uh, that Kurt uh, put out uh, on Ghostlight is it's so spectacular. Where does your love of Sondheim come from? I have always been enamored by Sondheim. Um, So I went to an arts high school where I studied musical theater uh, my four years of high school. And my teachers were very (laughs) Sondheim heavy, uh, which I'm very grateful for. And so uh, as a teenager, that was like my first like really in-depth experience with Sondheim. And I mean, I've always been a weird person. Uh, I was a weird kid. And I think there was something very like, enchanting about the darkness that he kind of brings to the forefront of his material um, that many people, many other writers um, don't really do, uh, Mm. or at least don't do as successfully and as as raw um, in such a raw way as he does. And so, yeah, while as a child, you obviously like know the Sondheim classics because you're like a human on the earth. Um, but I, it wasn't until high school that I really like got that exposure and it just changed my life, I think. 
these well, diversions of these songs really, I think, makes you focus on the lyric as well. Sometimes when you're wrapped up in the show, you don't focus quite as much on the individual lyrics of particular mm-hmm. songs. And I think these arrangements really make you do that. I that makes me really happy because that is uh, that has become one of the goals that I've um, come up with with this project. It's like when you strip everything back, what is revealed? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there really is something about taking taking music out of the context of a show and out of the context Mm. of a production and just the realm of musical theater in general that can kind of illuminate things that you wouldn't necessarily see Mm. in the other realms. Has Steve uh, heard the album yet? I, okay, so I don't know. I think, I think so. Steve. <laughs> he's, he's all of our old friends. Um, but yeah, I, I know that he knows about it. I know that he has access to it and I know he knows who I am. I don't know his thoughts on it or anything. Well, you've not had a cease and desist. So, you know, it, that's you, true. That's true. You know, <laughs> that, that could have happened. So very quickly, because we're running out of time. If you could play any Sondheim character, which one would it be? Mm. Sweeney. Mm-hmm. Oh. I'm, in. I'm all in. Yeah. Yeah, we're there. We're there. Yeah. Okay, we're going to play a track, uh, Every Day a Little Death. Tell us just a little bit about this. Um, it's the first arrangement I ever made. Um, it's quite simplistic, uh, and yet uh, I think it illuminates the rawness of of the, the bittersweet, um, like, yearning and beautiful pain within it. That's what I love about it. Ellery Ward, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Thank you. Every day a little death In the parlor, in the bed In the curtains, in the silver In the buttons, in the bread Kisses me 
singing Every Day a Little Death from her album A Perfect Little Death, music and lyrics there by Stephen Sondheim. For more information about Ellery and her new album, head over to elleryward.com. Come From Away has become an international hit with productions on both sides of the Atlantic and more countries planned. It's now available for everybody to stream on Apple Plus TV. We are thrilled that Irene and David, writers of um, Come From Away, are back on Sunday Show Tunes after an absence of far too long. But you have so much to tell us about. How are you guys? We're great. We're good. How are you doing? Yeah, we, we're good. We're doing well. It's nice to have Robbie as our token American today. So that's really nice as well. Sure. So um, yeah, I couldn't, couldn't do this if I didn't have an American co-host, that's for sure. So. <laughs> For our listeners who may have been under a rock, um, you didn't initially set out to write a Broadway musical with Come From Away, did you? No. No, no. <laughs> no. We, when we first started writing it, we thought that maybe Canadian high school students would be forced to do this in some way. You know, there, <laughs> there'd be a lot of roles for everyone. They could play darkness and trees and, you know, the rocks, things like that, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's been a surprise all along the way. And, you know, the fact that the show's gone to Broadway, the fact that the show's now gone to, you know, is playing in the UK and has been to Australia and, um, you know, as, as with Apple TV is now on a hundred different countries around the world. Uh, it's it's beyond our wildest dreams. What was it about? <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Oh, no, sorry. I was going to say high school students everywhere now will be first to do it. <laughs> um, yeah. I wonder how that's going to work with all the doubling. If they're just going to be like, no, you are only the, you know, so. Bev and you are only the teacher. I can't wait. I can't yeah, wait right. for, yeah. yeah. What, what was it about the Gander story specifically that attracted you? You know, we lived in Manhattan on September 11th and we lived in a residence uh, for international students. There was like a uh, hundred, no, there's 700 students there from 110 different countries. And there was something uh, similar about the experience of being with people from all over the world. Everyone had a very different reaction to what was happening. You know, we had refugees who thought that, you know, they you know, escaped danger in their countries and, and things like this happening. And we also had Americans who were, who were like, that's it, I'm out, gotta go enlist, I'm leaving school, you know? So I, just all of the different 
people coming together and getting past their differences and looking after one another. And then by evening, listening to music and sharing wine and, and comforting each other was, as soon as we got out to Gander, we started hearing the stories. We were kind of like, oh, we haven't thought about that day at International House in so, so long. And, mm-hmm. you know, it just seems like we needed to pay homage to it and, and, and actually address it instead of, you know, moving back to Canada and being like, okay, well that happened and just putting it into part mm-hmm. of the when we first chatted to you um we'd seen it on broadway loved the cast album what fascinated me was when it was going to go further when it was going to come to london and what i couldn't get my head around was it's like will it translate will the british people get this because when anyone goes what's come from away about and you're like well it's kind of about 9 11 but not really at all about 9 11 um Mm -hmm. did that worry you and has it surprised you how the world has embraced it I think it was never meant to be about 9-11, like just like, uh, I don't know if this is a perfect example, but Cabaret is not about World War II, mm-hmm. you know. Sound um, of Music, isn't, sound of music mm-hmm. isn't about, I mean, or now I'm thinking about these World War II ones. Uh, <laughs> um, Musical but, Nazis. But, but, yeah. but, know, but right? when, when yeah. they wrote Sound of Music, what we've heard is that they were originally worried that it would be called the Nazi musical. And no one would want to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know, because high, dark, you know, so yeah, but sure. somehow, it, yeah, it gets, it looks at it from this other perspective. And that's what we wanted to do with Come From Away. We wanted to write a 9-12 story and we wanted to, to write a story about how these people who we fell in love with on the 10th anniversary uh, and, and their story that we fell in love with, we wanted to share that story. And and I think partly because we were in New York at the time and when we had experienced a lot of that trauma, my cousin was in the towers, but fortunately got out we wrote the show very carefully for ourselves, but also for, you know, if, if American audiences would ever, would ever get to see it, we wanted it not to be traumatic for them. We wanted mm-hmm. to say, you know, whatever you think this might be, come with us to Newfoundland, come with us to this place you've never been and experience this really joyful story um, that happened in response to a tragedy. And I think because of that, the language in the show, we say World Trade Center once, we say the world's terrorist once. Yeah. And what it really is, is it's about responding to dark times. And so yeah. what's been interesting is in the in the 10 years since we started writing it, we've seen the show be able to be a response to other tragedies that are mm-hmm. daily in our social media feed. And mm-hmm. now with the pandemic, it feels like another it, it, the the show is about people taking care of one another, and it, you know, and and we need that more than ever now with the pandemic. Maybe in different ways, not coming together in legion halls and and dancing together, but still, it's about looking around you, overcoming your differences, and taking care of one another. Well, what's fascinating too is the Broadway production that's now on Apple TV Plus uh, opens with the audience entering in masks, et cetera. So you are telling the story of compassion during tragedy, during another time of like compassion during a collective trauma. That's just fascinating to me. What's it been like uh, the response to the capture for you guys? Uh, overwhelming, you know, it just, uh, just watching uh, people who we haven't heard from in a long time, just you know, respond to it, and you know people who've never seen it before, finally getting a chance to see it. You know, because if you don't, if you live in Labrador, you're not necessarily going to be able to even get to Toronto. Like mm-hmm. Toronto so, uh, it's it's been wonderful. Yeah, seeing it be accessible to people who were never able to see the show is it's really uh, amazing. The response you know, that that this is a helpful story on, on the 20th anniversary to be reminded that there's still good in the world and that there's hope in the world and that that was helpful to people has been um, really wonderful. And 
And to see people get excited about theater, you know, there's so many people who have never heard of our musical, not that they should, you know, again, uh, Canadian high school students being forced to do this show, right? But, uh, <laughs> but, but it, it's amazing to see people at the 20th anniversary say, I never knew this story. I'm really excited about this story. And I'm excited to watch it as a live capture of a theater show. You know, the, the, I, I think that speaks not only to the story that we're telling, which is, you know, this incredible story of kindness, but I think it also speaks that people are hungry to be back in rooms together. And, and, and mm -hmm. you, you might not be a regular theater goer, you might not even be able to go to theater, but you want that experience. And there was something wonderful about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Christopher think, Ashley really captured the, the feeling that you're in the theater really beautifully. Yeah, I think he's put so much time in there. He's got such a good feeling for it that he's just like, okay, this is how we get right in. Yeah, no, he did a wonderful, wonderful job. And reuniting some of the original Broadway cast together. Yes, yeah. yes, it, it, that's amazing. I mean, we've had so many people doing these roles and it's, I, I love seeing how they do transform from person to person because compared to a lot of commercial shows, like you get a fair bit of leeway in, in your interpretation of yeah. these roles. Um, you have to hit your marks and stuff. Otherwise the, you know, follow spot operators are gonna just, their heads are gonna explode, but <laughs> you probably get knocked over by a turntable. But, um, but your interpretation of it is allowed to be your own. I think, yeah, that's really important to me when you go and see Come From Away. If you go and see it with a different cast or a different swing in the British production, some of the accents have changed a little bit for the characters and, and it just feels fresh and original. And I think because it isn't that mega blockbuster, you don't have a moving staircase or a chandelier. It is just some chairs and some people telling a story. I think that's half its appeal. When I took my mum to see it, um, I thought she might be, I, I kind of prepared her. I was like, there's no big scenery, mum. Because, you know, she goes to see a West End show. She needs to see that. That's what, what, what she wants to see. She has not stopped talking about it. I'm actually sick of it now. It's like, because she <laughs> loves, she loved the show so much. And that is, it, it, it's credit to the storytelling and, and the power of what you've written there entirely. That it doesn't really, it just needs those mismatched chairs. And that's, I think that's the appeal of it. So when it eventually does become available for those high schoolers, you know, Totally. They're, they're, it's just going to be great. You're not going to see some wonky chandelier or really like two steps instead of a staircase. You'll still see those chairs. That's just just so, so fab. Now, covers from away. You know, we've only got the one album of Come From Away, like the English language. And now we have covers from away. Tell us a little bit about that. So this is always a dream project. Uh, you know, ever since Hamilton made its mixtape, we started oh, talking. I think even before, yeah. we were talking about this, like before we even wrote the show and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> okay, let's just write the show and then we'll talk about that. <laughs> I mean, I grew up on Newfoundland music. Yeah, I love yeah. Newfoundland music. And to, you, you know, to get to share Newfoundland music with the world was always part of the joy of Come From Way. You get to take this music that you love that has been inspiring that you've danced to that you've sung to that and you share it with the world and so it's always you know just like the story and come from away getting to share that with the world and seeing other people respond to it positively is really you know wonderfully affirming experience and we always wanted to say we made this as authentic as we could and really our you know our music team went deep we we shared every single album of Newfoundland music that I had with with Ian Eisendrath our music supervisor and he like learned how to play accordion and then button accordion then learned how to detune the reeds in the accordion and like we it we've made it authentically Newfoundland but beyond that uh, the goal was always to be uh re to share real Newfoundland music and these bands that I grew up with uh 
doing their own unique take on our songs uh, is just a dream. They're, they're such incredible musicians and they have just kicked it out of the park, um, just uh, done, done an incredible job. It's a lot of fun to listen to. And what I really like about it is, uh, we were saying just before we came on air, the show is so interwoven. It's quite difficult to pull the songs out individually, but this album has done it really successfully. And I, yeah. so you can just dive in and listen to a few of them, don't necessarily need to listen to them in order. And, and it, they're just so uplifting to listen to. Oh, thank you. It's it really was it, it's a challenge. Come from away was not written with standalone cabaret songs. It's <laughs> been a challenge all along. You know, at, at, there's many many events where uh, where me and the sky is is sung or yep. stop the world is sung. You, you know, Irene and I tend to do stop the world a lot together, and it's really hard to do a lot of the other songs. So one of the opportunities and the real joys of this was that we had to take you know something very small like lead us out of the night. And say how do we turn this into a full song and so it was not just uh giving the songs to the newfoundland artists and saying just sing this uh it was really collaborate collaborative sometimes mm -hmm. we would write lyrics together sometimes we would uh uh dig through our old lyrics uh with welcome yeah. to the rock there's you know some of the original lyrics we ever wrote for the show and a whole chorus that's that's not in the show um uh, and then sometimes they would bring something to us there's uh two two of the bands um it, it, within prayer and lead us out of the darkness uh it, within prayer we we paired a song like making a channel of your peace with prayers from around the world and uh we had uh, some indigenous artists uh on this album and they wanted to pair their their pieces with indigenous prayers um both um uh, inuit and micmac and so uh, that it's it's brought a whole another element to it that uh, that we weren't able to tell through come from away and it's really wonderful so what's next for Come From Away? Well, I mean, opening up <laughs> What is next? Last time we asked that, none, none of what's just happened has, it was available. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, opening on Broadway is hugely exciting. Um, launching Covers From Away is really, is, is amazing. Um, in December, we're going to be opening back in Toronto and, uh, and our North American tour is starting. In October, yeah. beginning of October. Um, you know, we, we started looking at <laughs> Cut From Away. We had a bunch of songs that had been cut and we had started to do oh. like a, a cabaret show of all of the songs that were cut from away. And that was last time we did that was like February 23rd, 2020. So we started to get some interest in doing that in different places. And so we'll, we'll hopefully that'll pick back up, you know, um, yeah. and we start doing that again. Yeah. And is there a new project on the horizon for you folks? There are a Always. lot of new projects. It feels like you know, I mean, in the middle of a pandemic, we moved back to Canada, homeschooled our daughter for a bunch of it, you know, uh, moved about five times to different... So we found a place to stay uh, for longer than a few months. <laughs> um, and, and yet throughout that, the TV and film world and even some of the theater world, you know, the, what's been amazing about this pandemic is being see, seeing people uh, desperately wanting art and and mm -hmm. seeing you know the arts industry desperately trying to make art to to fill that void and so there's been a lot of projects that have come to us we're we're working with Disney and Warner Brothers and Netflix on a bunch of things and we can't wait to share them with you we cannot wait to have you back Irene David thank you so much for joining us our pleasure our pleasure thank you well, that's it for this episode. We'd like to say a huge thank you to Irene Sankoff, David Hine, Ellery Ward, and Rosemary Ash for joining us. 
If you've enjoyed listening, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite listening platform. I'm Paul. And I'm Robbie. And you've been listening to the Sunday Show and Choose podcast. Thanks for joining us. Bye.
Come From Away is available to stream on Apple TV Plus and covers from away is available now.